The scripture this morning comes from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Reading from the book of Revelation brings interesting responses from people who hear the verses read. Some people enjoy reading from the book of Revelation. Others, not so much because Revelation is an interesting book with various interpretations. Revelation is basically an extended narrative that tells a small part of the story of God's interaction with humanity. Revelation begins with letters to the churches, and then it talks about worship. That's the passage that we heard this morning. Revelation talks about the worship of the saints and how a great multitude, far more than you or I could ever begin to count, how a great multitude collects around the altar to lift up praise and honor and glory to the Lord God Almighty and to the Lamb. The saints are there in worship, and the saints are in our prayers as their prayers rise before the altar like smoke from incense. And then as we're reading Revelation, we find trouble. Seals and scrolls and bowls and trumpets and trials and tribulations, more than we can begin to imagine. Disasters one after the other. No one is safe. No one, not even the faithful, is safe in this time of trial and tribulation. There is suffering that comes in waves one wave after another, and it seems that each wave is worse than the one that came before. As I said, no one seems safe. It seems as if God intends to cause harm to all of his creation, and we listen to the stories as they unfold, anticipating and wondering what happens next, what can be worse. It almost seems like the worst will never end. And the truth of the matter is, according to the book of Revelations, the worst only ends 
when time is called to an end by God himself. The disasters are sometimes man-made, disasters that come as a result of what we today call climate change, disasters that come as a result of people setting fires, disasters that come as a result of our own allowing the temperature to rise to the point that our ice caps are melting. There are economic disasters where people lose their homes, where people no longer have a place to live, where people no longer have jobs as a result of all of these man-made disasters. There are natural disasters, earthquakes, fires that start from natural occurrences. There are more hurricanes than we have names to give them in this year alone. And there's a virus. We don't know for sure where it came from or how it came to be in the world, but we know that it has encircled the globe and affected every single country around the world. And at what point in time did I stop talking about revelation and start talking about all the things that are happening today? It's hard to tell, isn't it? But I want to tell you today that I don't believe that Revelation was written as a book of prophecy. I don't believe that Revelation was written intending that we would look at disasters happening today, no matter what caused the disasters, and try to pinpoint them in the book of Revelation. I don't believe that Revelation was written for us to match up events happening today with the unfolding events in Revelation. I actually believe that Revelation was written to offer hope. Revelation was written to tell the faithful in John's day, hold on. Hold on to your faith. Hold on and stand firm in your faith. And remember the Lamb who will lead you to the waters of life. Remember that in the end, God will win and that God will wipe away all of your tears. Remember and hold on so that you too can be a part of the uncountable great multitude. I do believe that Revelation speaks of a few specific items that we can pull out that are designed to give us hope. The first of those specific items is the defeat of evil. Revelation speaks of the defeat of evil. Jesus Christ struck the first blow against evil when he willingly sacrificed himself and went to the cross for you and for me. That's almost too good to be true, that anyone would willingly die for us, but to think that God himself was willing to die for you and me, why would he love us so? Why would he love us enough to do that? God gave his life on the cross for us today, for all of those that we are remembering today, for all of those who came before the ones we are remembering today, the ones we remembered last year and the year before that. And God himself gave himself on the cross for all of those that we will remember in years to come. Now, understand me, death did not end evil. I wish that that had been the case, but the death of Christ did not end it altogether, but it ended our need to fear evil. 
We are alive today because of Jesus Christ. He nailed himself to the cross to send a message to evil that said, you have to go through me to get to them. He drew a line in the sand that evil has never been able to cross. And as long as we stand on the Jesus side of that line, we are good to go. We have nothing to fear. And we know that God is calling us to hold on and to keep building his kingdom so that everyone knows that evil is defeated and that it will be banished one day. The second thing that I think that we can learn from Revelation that we can be assured happens that we find in Revelation is salvation. That was mentioned in the passage that we just read. Salvation belongs to God, and it is God's gift to the faithful. It is God's gift to those of us who claim faith in Christ. Remember John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You can say that with me. The saints that we are remembering today have already lived into the gift of salvation. They are already enjoying the benefits of that gift. We can live in complete assurance that that gift is ours also. There is nothing to fear, not even trials and tribulations, not even times when we feel unsafe, because nothing can touch us as we remain in relationship with Christ. Nothing can touch us eternally. Our future is secure. The last thing that I think that we can learn from Revelation, the last thing that I think is completely and utterly assured that we find in the book of Revelation is a new beginning. We're told that when we accept Christ, we come to him in faith. We are new creatures. We have a new beginning here on this earth. And that beginning lasts from now until eternity. The new beginning is us in eternity. No more crying, no more pain, no more death. No more mourning. The original relationship with God that existed in Eden will be restored. And we can live in faith knowing that we have a new beginning on earth and a new beginning in heaven. Today we remember the faithful who have died in the last year. They are already a part of the worship in heaven. These faithful that we have named today We owe a lot to them. Consider the history of Mulberry, nearly 200 years of faithful behavior. The people who have gone before us have taught us about how to live a faithful life. They have demonstrated to us through words and deeds how to be faithful to Christ. Yes, we owe them a lot. But more importantly than what we owe the people who have gone before us, is what we owe to the people who come after us. We need to take what we have learned from the people who came before us. We need to live it out. We need to build the kingdom. We need to continue their legacy. That's what we owe to the ones who come after us. We need to take our place in the line of the faithful so that what the faithful before us have taught us becomes what we teach those who come after us in the hopes that they become faithful and they join us not only in faith here on earth, 
but in that great multitude in heaven. We need to receive hope from the memories of all of the people who have gone before us, and we need to share that hope with all of the people who come after us. We need to share the hope offered in Revelation, the hope that evil does not win, the hope that comes from knowing that salvation is ours and we are assured of that, the hope that comes knowing that the new beginning means we are a new, create, a new creature here on earth and in heaven. Revelation tells us to hold on, to be faithful, that Christ is with us. Christ is with us here today. Christ is with us in Mulberry Street. He is the foundation of our faith. He is the foundation of our congregation. The best way that we can honor those who have gone before us is to continue to build a Christian future for all of those who come after us. Revelation says, hold on and offer hope. These people we have honored today did that for us. Let us now do that for all of those who come after. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.